I give an introduction to the what's meant to be the fairness of learning Muslim. And basically we spoke about that the main of learning Muslim is just to encapsulate the point that we said the kids is that the main of learning Musa is premius. It's to get to a level of depth, not just a level of superficiality. And in that case, it's an overreaching thing. A person can be doing things, but he's doing them in a superficial way. A person can be living life, but he's living life superficially. A person can be davening, doing mitzvahs, whatever it is, without a connection to... When we mean depth, we mean the depth of the person themselves. And therefore, all the mindless values, which are meant to be a part of our lives and be a part of how we do everything, whether it's Avaz Hashem, Yeras Hashem, Dveikus, Bechira, this quote in Rabbi all these things are as a result of developing these mindless. They don't come by themselves. That's the point which a person has to reach, so to speak, that level of depth within himself to get there. That's a turnus. Now, why is this important? Because Again, I'm quite a revolver. People think of learning must as something depressing. It's a way of uncovering your problems or your faults. And uh, no one wants to know what their faults are. No one wants to always deal with how inadequate they are or how much they aren't perfect or, or any other thing like that. And therefore people think that the, that the result of learning must is just to berate yourself for all the things that you don't think you're good enough about. And it's not enjoyable, so to speak. That's not the MS. It's true that a chalik of the analysis that a person will come to by understanding themselves better is to find the things that they have to correct. But there's the other side as well. And that is that a person, besides for the fact that a person thinks about it, the fact that he can find the fault is uh, just like Rabobi said, something a person should be happy about. He knows what he has to fix. But it's not just that it's, uh, you want to stay with realizing oh, I have something wrong with me, I have a weakness, I have a problem. Other, the, the, that's just the introductory stage because now that I, I can identify what the issue is, now I know what to do, I can work on fixing it. But there's a second and much deeper character muscle. And that is, that's only the first stage. It's only the first stage. If a person starts to digging within themselves, yes, they'll get to the stage where they find their medicine and have to confront them. Don't stop there. You may take it deeper than that. And if that's the case, you get to the guidance of a person. You get to the greatness of a person. And it only comes through Musa. It only comes through Musa. And if, it's a, if a person doesn't learn Musa, and he feels he's a great person, it's likely to be a dimmy. It's likely to be an imagination. He's presenting a false facade. A real, a real feeling of guidance only comes from Musa, and that's an amazing statement to say. I'm quoting Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu is one of the great, our great guides in Musa. Besides the Shari Tshuva, wrote another book called Shari Avoda. We have it today. It's not as widespread as the Shari Tshuva, but we have a book of Rabbeinu called Shari Avoda. The first line of Shari Avoda is, "Tchilas darkei shel Adam b'avodas Hashem." The starting point of a person's path b'avodas Hashem is that a person has to be makir amitas ma'alaisa. A person has to recognize the truth of his minus. He has to find his godless. He has to find those points of greatness within himself. 
what Rebbe Yon wants to do with that is another point. But that's the starting point. In other words, that same process of self-analysis, which Enachanami uncovers for a person the chesronis that they have, the things that they need to work on, is also meant to uncover within a person this part, the, the areas where they're great, the areas where they have minus. And Rabbi Yerucham Mir always used to say, I've said this many times, I've heard it from Revolver many times, that the one's as important as the other one. The last one Rabbi, Rabbi Yerucham was, he used to say it, if a person doesn't know his chesronis, he does know what he has to attack him. A person needs to perfect himself, he doesn't realize his weaknesses, he doesn't know what he has to fix. If a person doesn't know his minus, he doesn't know what his tools are to work with. Because the minus of a person, which Hashem has given him, are the tools that he's going to have to become great. And when there was a school in Musa, which worked on godless to Adam, it wasn't an external godless. It wasn't to act a certain way, so to broadcast yourself in a certain way. It was to realize the godless inside yourself. It realizes the goddess inside yourself because as only when a person realizes his minus, then he can use them to, to, be, to develop them, to become something great. And that's what all comes back to the same result. And that is, if a person is living superficially, so then he's making his superficial self, he can craft it the way he wants it to be. Anyway, it's a facade. Just like if I want to present myself. And people are going to judge me by my clothing. So now I have a whole wardrobe. I can choose how I want people to look at me. I can put on a fancy suit and a tie and people look at me one way. I can put on sports clothes that look at me a different way. I can put on a bathing suit that look at me a different way. I can put on a ripped t-shirt and they look at me a third way. And the way that the, the facade I'm presenting to the world is the way they're going to look at me because people are looking superficial. And therefore, if my whole, my whole self-concept is built on that same level of superficiality, then I'm projecting an image which has nothing to do with me. It's what society wants me to look like, or it's what I think society wants me to look like, or I think I want to be like that's what I'm going to project that image. And there's nothing deeper than that. And that's the case. I can choose what I want it to be. I can put on a frack and a Hamburg, and I'll look like a Rosh Hashiva. I can put on a Strimal and a Kapot, and I'll look like a I can put on a something else, and I'm, I'm projecting an image which is only superficial. So I can choose the image. There's no depth of any one. If a person wants to get to himself, to his godless, which means then it has to be a process where a person can examine inside himself to find that godless. That's not, again, just like we said before, the levels don't come from the outside, they come from the inside. Same thing, the godless of a person is within himself. It's within himself and it's only by the ability to explore inside him, he can get to that level. And again, with the basis of the Nebuchadnezzar, we understand why. Because the godless of a person comes from his Nishama. Regardless of a person comes from the Nishana. And the male person has to get to that level to be able to find that guidance. And therefore, the same you said. We so good learning Musa as an ability to connect to the premise of a person. Yes, one area of the premise of a person is he'll find those things which aren't perfect about himself, but he'll also find those things which where there's greatness. And to deny it, just like it doesn't help to deny a person's faults, to deny a person's minus is also not real enough. To deny a person's minus means he's not giving himself the ability to grow. That's the tools that should get him to grow. So Musa is meant to uncover both of those things. Musa is meant to uncover both of those things. This is Hamish what he said yesterday. And that is that that, that ability to convert information into something which becomes a part of me what you call the Dimila Musa, the Das Chachma, or Musa, again, quoting the part of the beginning of Mishnah. Chachma is what I know. 
Musa is now to apply to myself and to see it within myself. That's the skill. That's the, the training which a person needs to learn Musa. How to convert information into something which, so to speak, penetrates a person and makes a difference to him. There's two more points I want to say in introduction. I want to give you an example of this. It's a Chazal also. But here again, Chazal is showing to us a concept. They aren't giving us exactly the path how to do it, or how the people in the story did it. And Chazal, it's a famous Midrash, it comes a few times in the Midrash Rav, it comes in Tanchum, it comes in other places also. Right? I think everyone knows the story, it's very, very well known. But let's think about it a bit. Like every Midrash, we have to not just analyze, it's not just facts that the Chazal are giving us. They're giving us a, a window into understanding something. That's always the point of the Midrash. Let's look at the story. It's two stories. On the Pasuk, Vayarech Esreach Pogodah. It says that lit- literally it means that Yaakov smelt the clothing of Yitzhak smelt the clothing of Yaakov. I'm sorry, Yitzhak smelt the clothing of Yaakov. And that Chazal said, don't say Bogodov, his clothing, Elobogdov, the traitors of Kla Yisrael. And there was a certain aroma which came from the traitors of Kla Yisrael. So the Midrash tells us two stories. The one of Yaakov Mishitzeris and the one of Yosef Mishitzeris. I'll tell you the two stories. But now we're not just going to read the stories to know Yaakov Mishitzeris and Yosef Mishisa. Two stories of two individuals. Rishon. Rishon. Boigdok. He was the traitors. The point isn't just another information. It's not like we're trying to learn history. Let's, let's analyze it now, even though we haven't yet learned the principles of how to learn this. So, but this is with this, just with the starting point, let's look at something amazing. What's the story of Yaakov Mishitzeris? Chazal tells us like this. Yaakov Mishitzeris was a nephew of Yosef ben Yezer. Yosef ben Yezer is one of the Tanaim. He's quite in Kirkavis. Yosef ben Yezer was executed by the Greeks before the Hanukkah story. For what? For keeping Shabbos. There was a time of the Xeris and no one could keep Shabbos, no one could kill the And Yosef ben Yezer, the god of Nadar, who was arrested in Hebron, was being executed, was being taken out on a Shabbos. They executed him on Shabbos afternoon as a punishment for keeping Shabbos. Where is this recorded? It's a This is the Midrash. Right, so Yosef ben Yezer was taken out to be murdered, to be executed by the Greeks on a Shabbos afternoon. On his way to the gallows, Somebody rides up to him on a horse. It's his nephew, his name is Yaakov. From a place called Tzeris. Yaakov, his nephew, comes to him. And he says to him, can you read that he and his nephew had, had a lot of arguments about religion or philosophy or whatever it's going to be. So his nephew says to him, he says, uncle, tell me something. Who's, who came out of victorious in there? You, who's going to be hung? Or me, who's whatever rank I have, I'm busy riding this horse. So Yossi ben Yezer says to him, he says, if this is the end of me, of somebody who listened to Hashem, can you imagine what's going to be your end for not listening to Hashem? <laughs> In Kach, this is a state of Oyser Can you imagine the end of somebody who's not Oyser That's all he said. And then he, the soldiers dragged him up and he went to carry on his way to the gallows. The Midrash tells us that that line made such a difference to this person, Yaakov, that Miyad, he went to his home, and he decided that to, to, in order to achieve, I don't know if he's right or he's wrong, what he did, he decided in order to achieve, he's going to give himself all four Mrs. Bastin. And how did he manage to give himself all four Mrs. Bastin? Similar to what he hung himself. He strangled himself, it says. But here goes all four Mrs. How did he do that? So the Midrash tells us. He lit a fire, he stuck a sword in the middle of the fire, he built a pile of rocks, connected to a noose, 
which he put around his neck, and then he jumped. And he got strangled by the thing, and the whole thing of rocks fell on him, and he landed on the sword and got burnt by the fire. So he managed to give himself all iron his blessing at the same time. Now, are you meant to commit suicide? I don't know. That's a good question. That's what the point. That's what he did. Yosef and Yezer was still alive when this all happened. He was standing on the gallows, and he said, he looked up and he saw the Neshama of Yakum, his nephew, who's going to Shemaim, and he says, well, A few minutes he got ahead of me to Ganeri. Now, that's the story, the first story Chazal said. So it's an interesting story. Factually, it's a very interesting story. What are Chazal trying to show us? What's the point of Chazal trying to show us? The point Chazal trying to show us is that, again, Chazal explaining the Pasuk, the Boigdin, the traitors of Klai Yisrael. The traitors of Klai Yisrael, they, even they have a certain aroma. You see that even the traits of Klai Yisrael, how dramatically he can do to it. Fine. But what's the point? How did he do that? How did he change his life in a second? And the answer is, one line that his uncle, Yosef, told him, penetrated deeply enough that in a second he could change everything. And now we're left with the question. How do you do that? We also want to change. How does one line have such a deep impact on somebody that in a second they can change them around? Zeus is how a person reacts to it. But how did it have such an effect on him? How did it have such an effect on him that, you know, we all hear Muslim. Do we take it that much to heart that it makes such an impact on us? That's what Chazal is trying to show. That's what Chazal is trying to show. That even somebody who, Ba'atim is a Russia, but if something penetrates, it can, in a second they can change him around. It just has to be able to penetrate. So what Chazal is trying to show is exactly this way. That a clash of the Ba'atim, there is that level underneath the surface. When something gets to it, when something penetrates, a person can change. Even the Russia can change. And this is our next example. Chazal is the next example. Yosef Mishisa. Yosef Meshissa, another Russia who was mentioned for being a Russia. Yosef Meshissa lived a hundred, few hundred years later. He lived in the time of the second Korban. He lived in the time of the Roman conquest of Eretz Yisrael and the Korban. And Yosef Meshissa was a rebel. Yosef Meshissa was a Jew who joined the Romans to fight against the Yiddish. There were a few of those. And Yosef Meshissa was one of the victorious forces who was involved in burning the base of English. He was a Jew. He was a Jew who had, who had worked with the Romans to destroy Yerushalayim, and he was there when they were burning the rest of English. He was part of the Roman troops. And the Romans were grateful to him, for changing sides and helping them. So they told him, they told him, Yosef, in honor of your services to Rome, before we loot the base of Mikdash, we're going to give you the right to take something first. You can take something for yourself first, and afterwards we, the, soldiers, the Roman soldiers, are going to take everything else. Go into the Hechel, take what you want. Now, we have to just imagine how depraved the Jew can be that he's the first one to go and steal something from the Haifa. But he did. He went in and he saw the Menorah. And we know the Menorah was solid with gold. And the Menorah was magnificent. But that's what he wants. It's pretty heavy. I don't know how he managed to carry it, but he was strong. And he dragged out the Menorah. This is what I want. Roman journal looks at him and says, Are You crazy? You think you're going to take something like that? Maybe the king deserves something like that. You're just a common. Do something else. And Yosef said no. So they said, the Roman general told him, I command you to go and steal something else from the Haifa. And Yosef said, I'm not doing it. 
So the Raman said, don't start up with us. I'm commanding you to go take something from the said, I'm not doing it. So the Raman general told him, we're going to torture you. So he said, torture me. I'm not going back into the Echo. Dayenu. It's enough that I angered Hashem once. I'm not doing it again. And Chazal said that they tortured him to death. And Chazal even said what the torture was. It says that they heated balls of metal and they put it under his arms and under his legs until he died from it. Tremendous torture. And he didn't flinch for a second. Chazal said the whole time he said, Oili, this should be kapara for the first time I went to steal from the I'm not doing it again. And now we left again in amazement. What changed? What happened? We're talking about a few minutes ago, a Russia who was willing to go on his own to steal from the Eichel. He didn't have to be forced to do it. He was laughing, go take. He was happy to go and choose. And a few minutes later, he's willing to be most nefesh and go through incredible torture not to steal from the Eichel. What happened? What changed so dramatically? And that's what Chazal bringing these two stories for. They're just talking about the Chirpa. They're bringing how dramatically a person can change from being a Russia to being most nefesh to be attacked. And the point Chazal are trying to make and this is, a, um, and I'm talking in a Muslim tongue because we're learning Muslim now, but the point Chazal are trying to make is it's because Be'etzim, they had it in them. They didn't develop this level of serious nefesh now. Just something needed to penetrate. Something needed to penetrate. And one person who can be a mamisha Russia, like both of these individuals were, but when whatever it was hit home, so to speak, then you see how the Russia who was going to Mahal Kala Tarakula is willing to kill himself for children. And you see the Rosh who's prepared to despoil the Basin Migdash is willing to be most nefesh not to do, not to steal from the Basin Migdash. And it wasn't a long process. It was a second. And that's what Chazal Kodesh has exactly the same that you cite. The Koyach of Musa. And that is when something does penetrate, when something does penetrate, it can change a person instantly. There's more Gemaras. There's a famous Gemara with Rabbi Lava. Lazar, we said the same thing. Yesh Koyna Elam Bisha Achas. A person can get out of my boy in a minute. How do you develop out of my boy in a minute? It's exactly the same you saw. When something penetrates and it gets to that internal part of a person, that can change it. Dramatically. And if that's the case, the koyak of learning Musa is to understand what is it that penetrates the person and brings him to that stage. We don't need to go through... We don't have to be the big rusher first. We all want to do the right thing anyway. Right? The, the koyak of Musa is, what, is to find the tools which are going to penetrate and get to the person where within him he has that kayak. If Rashaim have it, Kalvachim is a dikim have it. Within him there is that kayak, from a serious nefesh, the kayak of Yerushalayim, the kayak of Avas Hashem, the kayak of whatever it's going to be, of Ruchnius, it's there. The, the, the question is the skills to find it. Now, I'm asking. Not everybody, every day, is going to be able to dramatically change themselves that much. So these were all examples of people who died doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't like they lived. That was because that's what the circumstances required. If a person it's wants... It's much harder you know, to, to change your life around and live that way. Uh, yeah and no. For a rusher it's harder because it's easier to make a one-minute decision and stick to it than to make a lot of decisions to change. But for a person who isn't such a rusher, on the contrary, that's what he wants anyway. So it's just a matter of, of, of getting to the place where it connects to it, where he connects to it. Aren't we talking about baby steps as well, not great leaps? That's what I said. We're not going to have major changes in ourselves that dramatically, because normally that's something which happens from the outside. What we can do to ourselves is step by step. Like we mentioned from Zal, we mentioned from the guy yesterday. We encourage nimmer to nimmer to nimmer to nimmer to connect one thing to the next until we get there. 
It's true. If something outside makes, so to speak, has that effect on us, it can be much more rapid. But we see the ability that, that the koyach of Musa can have on a person, and that's the idea that it connects him to his penis. There's one more point I want to talk about, just because it's Elul, and this is a this is a depth which, you know, every year we come at Tosh Hashanah, hopefully as bigger people than we were the year before. And everywhere we have to understand on a deeper level, that's what Hashem expects from us, because we're meant to be God. So yes, we always talk about Hashanah as being how many mitzvahs we have, how many averes we have, and that's all true. That's all true. But there's something much more deep. And that is, if Hashem on Rosh Hashanah is deciding life, as we know, the main, the main deal of Rosh Hashanah is life. So we ask for all day. So Chayim Lechayim, Mikom Recha, Zeichel, Zitzur of Lechayim, Berachamim, Chasreinu, Beseif Lechayim, Beseif Lechayim. We ask him, we want to add everything else also, but the Iker, Bakosh Rosh Hashanah is Chayim. What does Chayim mean? If we have to define the term, what does Chayim mean? So I've always said this, I've said Nefesh Chayim, I've said Nefesh Chayim, I've said lots of times. Chayim means the connection of body and Nesham. Connection? Of the body and the Nesham. Right? When, the, when they're working together, that's what we call Chayim. If a person dies, his Nesham is still active, and the Nesham is still feels, and the Nesham is still thinks, and the Nesham is still has awareness, but it's not alive because it's not connected to the body. The synthesis of body and Nesham is what we call Chayim. Now. Exactly the same thing. We talk about Hashem as being a Rakim Chaim, we talk about Hashem connected to the world. Because that, that synthesis of the two, Rukhni and Gashmi together, is Rikul Chaim. And now here's the difference. If Hashem is judging us for Chaim, then Hashem is judging us on Chaim. And now this is the Yisrael to think about. Because the question is, when a person does something without using his neshama, Be'etzim, it's a mice and mice. It's not my lashon, I'm using lashon of the Rishonim already. It's just that he did it by right. His body acted out something. Was his neshama involved in that? Not at all. He wasn't thinking about it, he wasn't focusing on it, he wasn't feeling it. He was just doing an action. So yes, it's, it's true, he has to be a living person to, to exercise his body. But there was no connection of neshama here. So Be'etzim, it's a mice, but it's a dead mice. It's a dead mice. It's only mice which Be'etzim or mice chaim. A ma'aseh which involves neshama when a person does it. It involves a connection to both halakim, that's a living ma'aseh. If a person is being judged for life, he should look at himself and say, how much is he alive? How much is he using life? In other words, how much is whatever he does in the day, is he connecting his neshama to his body? Now, to use his body is simple. We're all using our bodies. We're doing actions the whole time. The khidish is, how much are we connecting neshama to body? How much are we involving our, our neshama in what we do? How much was doing? Because that's, that's what's done. Without thinking about it, without feeling it, without being involved in it. That's like a mice and mice. Exactly. Mulamada. Mulamada. means a person does it without thinking about it, without feeling it. So, if a person is davening for Chaim, a chalik of the cheshman of Chaim is how much are you Chaim? Not just what are you doing, but how much are you alive? Let's look at the Pasuk. Who's alive? A person who's direct by Hashem. Because if you feel the connection to Hashem, that means your Nisham is active, then you're high. Then you're alive. There's a certain Khash in Hashanah. There's a, like I said, there's one level of Hashanah, Hashem judges Maisim, and Baruch Hashem, I think we all would like to think in the category that most of our Maisim are good Maisim. We aren't trying to do the wrong thing. But let's take Hashanah to a higher level. Now Hashem is going to examine those mice. 
how much chiyus was there? How much were they alive? How much they managed to just involve your body? How much they managed to involve your neshama? And this is something that Mr. Sharma says. You're going to, have to take a bit of time to get there. He says this in Paragimel. Uh, but he's, the moment is point. He says that a chalik of a person's chashma nefesh is to check the level of the ma'asim he's doing. You mashmash from ma'asim. How well is he doing them? Is he alive? Is he using his neshama? Is he feeling what he's doing? Or is it just the ma'asim of his body? If you're being nigzah lechaim, so you want to shock Kodesh Baruch Hu, using life. And that's the next point of Musa. We'll see more than once. There's a connection between Musa and Chai. Exactly this point. The ability to get to the level of a person's neshama and to live with that is a connection to life. That's a connection to life because that's the connection to, the, so to speak, the, that's where there's a synthesis between what he's doing and his neshama, which is working together. That same principle of Musa, that same principle of being able to connect to the level inside a person is also the connection to Chiyus. Because then what he does connects not just it's not just actions, it's a connection of body and mind together. Fine. So we've seen we've added two things we said yesterday. The first point, the first point is that the maila of being able to internalize something is to find the person's mindless and frustrations because that's the essence defines it. And we want to do that because we don't want to just kill whitewash everything and present a false facade, which isn't us. We want to understand ourselves. We want to know our marriage, because we want to be ex and be, become the people we meant to be, and perfect the people we meant to be. And the second point, the connection to, to the depth of the person is be a connection to chiyos. It's a connection to life, because chiyos is defined by connection of body and neshama. That's the way to connect the person to his neshama. And we saw the effect that Musa can have when it does that is it can dramatically change a person. Maybe in the cases of the Midrash, it's very dramatic, it's very sudden also, but it has that koyach, because when a person connects the level inside him, then he taps into the godless which is already there. One last point, I'm going to finish with that. And then we're going to start, that's like Dhamma was then we're going to start inside, and Mr. Shem says, one last point. The Vilna God writes and it's a scary thing to think about. The Vilna God writes, he says, that every year people in Shoshana and Kippur think um, that this year we're going to do Chet. And they decide to clap al Khait and they have resolutions to be better and they take on commitments. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because comes uh, the Afghan Kippur, two days after three years, four days after Afghan Kippur, and uh, the person is more or less back to where he was. Maybe it doesn't take four days, it takes a week or two, whatever it is. Why not? Why not? Why doesn't the, why, why, why shouldn't the person change? Listen to something eye-opening, and this is again the Yusuf, as always. I always claim this. Every Yusuf in Musa you'll find in the God. Every Yusuf in Musa you'll find in the God. I think he's the source of everything that's Bali Musa wrote. You can find a church in the God. Listen to something unbelievable the God writes. It's for me every year something I think about. In Kippa and every year it shakes me again. It's a scary thing. Says the God, the reason why Trevor doesn't work is because people aren't doing chiva for themselves. They're doing chiva for the person that they think they are. And if I'm doing chiva for a different person, it's not going to affect me. It's not me. Michele, I don't know he has heard the story before. I'm going to say it again because my mission brings this point One of the Bachman Yeshiva came to me that he thinks that this year he wants to miss Hazak and Torah. It's more of a master. 
And he's thinking maybe she'll take an extra Seder before Shachris, or maybe after, Mar- after night Seder, no, take an extra Seder to learn more. And the Maestro, it sounds impressive, but I knew this Bach. He never came to the base Medrash. If he showed up for 10, 15 minutes a day in the, in the base Medrash, there was a lot. And but he's convinced that, no, he has to be more of a Maestro, he has to take an extra Seder before Shachris. So I said to him, look, before you start Echel Story, why don't you try Machazik the story what you're already doing? Come on time to first say it. Learn a whole, come, come to the Vesemir second say it. Why, why are you looking for more? So he looks at me and he said, Rebbe, I don't know what you're talking about. I come to every Seder. Now, I'm there in the Yeshiva, and I can see who's in the Seder, and I can tell you he definitely wasn't. But a person can be completely convinced I'm there every Seder. So we did an exercise. I said, look, I said, let's keep a record. Every time you come, in, come into the Seder, come over to me. We'll write down the time you walked in. And you want to get up to walk, come over, we'll write down the time you walked out. Let's keep a log of how much you actually hit. And we did it for a week. And it's absolutely shocked. When he thought, when he was convinced, he was learning three stories a day. Al-Kadekah, he's now looking to do extra. When he actually checked the log, he's learning maybe an hour a day. Now, that was an extreme case. But for a lot of us, if we do the same thing, we've come to a, not a happy realization that we aren't exactly who we think we are. But the Yisrael the God. If this Bachel would have decided in Kippur, I'm being more of a master this year, I'm firmly taking on myself to learn an extra state after an after, extra hour after night later. Is it going to work? No, because it's full, built on a false reality. You think you're reading three stories, and therefore my next step up is to do an extra state. But the, the starting point was wrong. That's not where you're holding. You aren't doing three stories. So of course you're not going to be able to build the fourth floor if you haven't got the three floors underneath you. People have a false reality of themselves, and therefore they decide what they need to do is to take on extra, more. And of course the one wrong. The first step was wrong. If a person doesn't have an accurate reality or understanding of where he is, so what he decides he needs to trip on is the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. And it's not going to work because it's not where he's holding. And therefore, it says the God, the first point to trip is an accurate reality check. Where am I really holding? Because if I come to a reality check, where am I really holding? Now I know what I need to work with. But if I have a false understanding of where I am, so what I think I need to do is completely different to the person I am. So of course it's not going to work. It, it doesn't, it's not me. It's something else. And then it explains to white people. People are good at that. Everybody makes a certain image for themselves which they believe is that. Based on what they'd like to be, or based on what person in society, or based on whatever else it's going to be. A person makes a, a certain thing about themselves, a certain kind of, in their mind. They have an image of themselves, and that's how they see themselves as being. And uh, it's not necessarily true. But you made a person doesn't do tshuva. Because based the, they're doing tshuva on their model that they created of themselves. It's not them. It's not them. That's a kind of person. I said before. If a person is going to explore himself, he can come to learn who he is. He can come to realize himself. And then he knows the MS. Then he's, he's explored. He, he, yes, some things are good, some things are not good. But at least we're starting on the point of reality. We're starting with the point of where he really is. The Yusait, to put everything together. The Yusait of Musa is not just to, know, to learn information. The Yusait of Musa is to internalize information. For example, for example, I'm just going to give us how to do it, we'll still talk about it, but this is the model what it means. We see a Ma'ama Khazal. An example. We see a Ma'ama Khazal. Whatever Ma'ama Khazal you want to choose. Everyone gets angry, all kinds of Gehenna So the first thing to think about is what does Chazal mean by that? 
Hazal don't just choose random terms. They mean something. What do they mean? Let's understand what the term meant. But now the second point, and this is the skill of learning Musa, is how does that apply to me? Do I have, do I in some way, when do I get angry? Does this apply to me, what Hazal just said? And how much does it apply to me? Where does it apply to me? And when does it apply to me? Then I start to explore myself and I start to open up within myself a certain understanding. But where am I holding? Is this a mirror I have? Is it not a mirror I have? It's just one example. It's a mahalak, we're going to do it. I'm just giving an example of what it means. And then a mahalak, person comes to reality. But that's a healthy thing, because then a person has a grounding which is based on which you can grow from. But that's like Dhamma Tamas. And as I said, we'll see, the minister is going to say this all in his Dhamma as well.